This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Loss number eight in the last 10 games, and it will drop the Yankees to four games over 500. Right now, they are three games back in the loss column of the Houston Astros for that third and final wild card spot. I did see uh, come across my Twitter timeline where you can follow me at Ty the Butler, uh, courtesy of Brian Hoke, Aaron Judge. This was two hours ago taking on-the-field batting practice today at Angel Stadium. Aaron Boone said he believes Judge is close to an MLB return, but said he can't say if that means days or weeks. I am shocked at how many people still are confident that the Yankees are going to get into the playoffs. And it's not that you know you should punt on the season if you're a fan. Because they still are in striking distance or within striking distance, as I just mentioned. But you're having to climb the Red Sox, the Astros, and then you're battling the Orioles and the Blue Jays who are one and two. So in order to get to that third spot, got to climb the Red Sox. I've seen since 2015 in any you know competition you know, of games that actually matter and have relevance – late in the season against the Astros, you haven't been able to overtake them. So I've got zero confidence you can do that. And when it comes to Judge, we've just all gone out there and said, well, they're going to get better once he comes back into the lineup because you're adding an MVP. And while I agree with that on the surface, we just don't know what version of him we're getting. It was something that I thought about when he got hurt six weeks ago. When he returns, is this a pain-tolerant situation or a pain-extinguished situation where, you know, he's a 100%, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be that. Now you would say 70% of Aaron Judge, 80% of Aaron Judge is better than what they're currently running out there. But if they're going to continue to play this poorly, I don't care what Judge does when he comes back. They're drawing dead, and, and even if they get into the playoffs— I just have a hard time watching this team go out there and, and win a playoff series and advance and, and do anything of significance. I, I just see a team that has lost it because as much as I want to defend Boone, as much as Yankee fans sometimes drive me crazy when they go over the top in their criticism of him, Guys getting thrown out consistently on the base paths, defensive miscues in big spots, Bader not hustling on a grounder yesterday, you know, same thing we saw with Donaldson a ton last year. That falls on the manager. That falls on him. If I can't criticize him for in-game decisions because, you know, that's something that's drawn up before the game and it's analytics and numbers this and numbers that, I have to be able to criticize him for his team, you know, not being buttoned up. That has to be on the table for them not being disciplined. Literally losing games because of dumb decision making. I got to be able to criticize him for something. So that's the manager's part of it. And then I look at the bullpen that right now is in shambles. Michael King is just fallen off of a cliff 
Clay Holmes gave up the grand slam the other day. Nick Ramirez, I mean, every time I turn around in a big spot, he's giving up a hit. They're in shambles right now. What does this team do well? What do they do well? You look at that and you say, you know, when all else fails, at least we have this going well for us. Offensively, they're putrid. Defensively, leaves a lot to be desired. Their rotation, it's Garrett Cole and, you know, a ton of question marks. Rodon, yeah, he's back. And, you know, it, it was foolish to expect that after missing half the year, he was going to, you know, rejoin the rotation and just take off. He hasn't, in his first two stars, blown you away. And then there's just Severino, pitched well last night. But prior to that, he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. Hermans, hit or miss. Clark Smith, what are you getting from him? And then I look up, and once again, they're losing to a bad team. That series against the Cardinals, they, they lost in St. Louis. They lost the series at home right before the break to the Cubs. And then they lost the series prior to this one in Colorado. At some point, you keep racking up these series losses against bad teams, and you become what your record says you are, and right now... You are inching closer and closer to being a team that is just four games over 500. So I want to believe in them. I want to continue to have faith. I want to continue to have confidence. But the game they lost the other night uh, against Colorado officially clinched. I'm done being so emotional about them where it just ruins my night. I just can't do that anymore. I've got way too much to look forward to when it comes to the football season. My Jets uh, are possibly for the first time in eight years going to have a winning record. Could potentially get back to the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. Will immediately, when he takes the first snap in in week one on Monday Night Football against the Bills, that will be the, the most talented player they've ever had wear the uniform and that is with no you know all due respect to everyone who has graced this uniform shout out to Darrell Reeves and Joe Klecko going into the Hall of Fame coming up I've got too much to look forward to with football season to continue to get emotionally wrapped up in a baseball team that coming into the year I wasn't all that high on to begin with so it's where I am right now. The Yankees look at the box score one hit through the first six innings against the Angels. And that one hit was a home run from Glaber Torres, who seems to be the only guy that hits right now. Seems to be the only guy that hits. And I watched Andrew Benintendi uh, playing for the White Sox earlier against the Mets at City Field hitting 290. Seems pretty good. Remember the Yankees had a chance to re-sign him? Wouldn't go the extra year? 290 would be by far the highest average on this team. So I'm not going to continue to get wrapped up. And, you know, it's just in such an emotional bind where it cripples me and I'm annoyed and I'm aggravated because it is what it is at this point. What's going to happen? I, my biggest fear is we get to the end of the season and the excuses become, you know, injuries. What can you expect for this team playing in the best division in baseball. AL East, best run differential. You've got all, all the teams, right? I guess 
if you look at the standings, because the Rays are atop the American League East, the Orioles have the first wild card, the Blue Jays have the second wild card, and the Red Sox are two games back in the third wild card. So three teams in your division already occupy playoff spots with the Red Sox just two games back of one, and then you're the Yankees in last place for the first time this late in the season since 1990, three years before I was born. So I, the concern should be, if you're a Yankees fan, that we get to the end of this marathon and you're expecting, because the season was so blatantly disappointing, that there are wholesale changes to be made and you get you know, to the offseason and you hear the, the owner come out and say, injuries, tough division, couldn't overcome it. Next year, let's run this thing back and we'll be much better. 800-919-3776. We talk some hoops coming up right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. It sounds like Joel Embiid might be growing frustrated of what's happening with the Sixers. Heard him. I forget you know, what format it was, what show it was, but he talked about how how he badly wants to win a championship. He has to get there because I guess he understands and he has to. Now that you have that MVP, to whom much is given, much is required. That MVP throughout NBA history, I guess... Derrick Rose is going to become the first MVP to not make the Hall of Fame. But that's that's such an illustrious award because it helps tell the story of the sport of all-time greats. And now that he has one, it comes with pressure. Like we saw with Giannis. Won a couple MVPs, failed in the playoffs, got smoked for it. Like we saw with Jokic. Won a couple MVPs. Got bounced early in the playoffs, was ridiculed. That's going to happen to Embiid because we saw him crying about not winning the award. He finally gets it and then blows a 3-2 series lead, including Game 7 where his team was 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 cooked and, and done after the first quarter. So that pressure is going to get to him, and you wonder if it's going to ultimately lead to him looking at what's going on in Philadelphia and deciding... I can't win here. I cannot do this. The James Harden experiment, so far, not going very well, which, by the way, if not for how much of a disaster Ben Simmons was, we'd be looking at Daryl Morey sideways, talking about how terrible it was for him to gamble on James Harden. Because now it sounds like the relationship is souring. Uh, I saw Sean's report that, uh, they, they have a fractured relationship, him and Daryl Morey. You know, they go back to, to Houston. But uh, he still wants out uh, of Philadelphia. Daryl's looking at getting an all-star in return for him, which I can't imagine, you know, what team would give up an all-star in, in exchange for James Harden. Uh, if you are trading for Harden at this point, you deserve everything coming to you. But it just kind of gives you the lay of the land of what's happening in Philadelphia. So I think that if things don't go well 
for the Sixers next season, 11 months from now, 10 months from now, we're going to hear chatter about Embiid asking out of Philadelphia. Enter the New York Knicks into the equation because the rumors are already starting. They already have begun. Could this be a landing spot for Joel Embiid if he decides he wants out of Philly? Could this be where he decides to go? Daryl, being the you know orchestrator of that trade, is going to want a lot back in return. Which means that it's going to require you to part with some of these young players you're, you're in love with. I would imagine that if Harden's gone and you're you're moving in bead, you're going into a full rebuild, right? That you're you're punting on being a contender, which means you are going in the direction of young assets that you can lock up for the future. So that comes, you know, those trade talks happen and those conversations and negotiations begin, and it lands you with. The Knicks, who have a ton of draft capital and some young players who could, in theory, be intriguing for for another team. Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly and, you know, Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. These are the types of names that would surface as far as, you know, who could be dealt in a potential Joel Embiid trade. Now, we're not there yet. I don't want to jumped the gun, but I think if you're a Knicks fan, you have to be rooting for the Sixers to get bounced early next year. You have to. Simultaneously, you know, your team can get better and you wanna you see you you see yourselves, you know, take that next step. But you gotta be rooting against Philly. you always are, but with a little more, you know, passion. Because if Joel Embiid becomes available, like that's the game changer you're looking for. I I do want to give the Knicks credit because of the fact that they've had two successful seasons in the last three years, despite missing on a bunch of lottery picks. Frank Nilakina and Obi Toppin and Kevin Knox. Now this is, you know, spanning over a couple of regimes. But missing on lottery picks landing some bad contracts with Kemba and Fournier and still managing to have this level of success with this organization, I think is a testament to what Tibbs has done here uh, with the culture and his defensive abilities and getting the most out of his roster and why Randall does deserve a little bit more credit than Knicks fans are willing to give him. And then obviously Brunson, who was excellent in year one of his contract and now is looking at like one of the best bargains in all of the NBA. So you give the Knicks credit for that. They have now positioned themselves to, I, I guess, right? Because I'm trying to think about this. They are in a good spot now where a, a player asking out can look at their situation and decide that's where I want to go. Because for years, you know, I've lamented, you know, every, you know, Giannis and we're doing the Luka thing and the Booker. It seems like every single year we're having this conversation and it's exhausting and I can understand why Knicks fans have, have had it, right? Like, you just, you're just you so sick and tired of longing for something that someone else has. But in the past, 
you haven't really been set up to, after acquiring that player, take off. Now that you have, you know, Brunson in place with Randall here, you've established yourself with two perennial all-stars and a bunch of uh, picks, you can dream a little bit about, uh, you know, having someone become unhappy in another situation, and Embiid would be the perfect fit. Embiid and Brunson, uh, that that just is a match made in heaven. So if you're a Knicks fan, got to go into next season rooting against the Sixers, hoping that it just completely falls apart. I don't anticipate Darrow is going to make a move at the deadline if Embiid asks out during the season because he's, he's too tremendous of a basketball player for you to you know quickly arrive at a decision like that during the year. But you root for them to completely implode. You get to the offseason, and now you've got an opportunity to land one of the five to seven best players in the league. And then you could seriously think about being a contender, which is a feeling you're not too familiar with. So would you sign up for that if you're a Knicks fan? Joel Embiid on this team? You have to, right? I, I I feel like that's a slam dunk. You have to. 800-919-3776. That is something that you have to sign up for. I cannot not imagine that there is a single Nick fan out there listening to this show who would not want Joel Embiid on this roster. Ty D. Butler on Twitter. 800-919-3776 on the phones. We're going until midnight right here on 9870 SPM. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. That you give someone of Derrick Rose's career where he immediately, you know, bursts onto the scene, wins an MVP, gets hurt, and it completely changes his career. Because I don't think if I go through the list, any MVPs, I don't think the, the MVPs in the NBA any of them have not made the Hall of Fame. I think Derrick Rose is going to become the first one. He says he thinks he will make the Hall of Fame, and I I just think that that's crazy. Won the MVP in 2011. He's a three-time All-Star, All-NBA first team once, Rookie of the Year, but that's it. That's his resume. Now, he was on pace to become that. He, He was on par to become one of the great players in the history of the league, especially with, you know, his athleticism and what he was able to do with the Bulls. As that, like, you know, score first point guard. But the injuries derailed him, and I just don't see it happening. I I don't look at that resume and say, yeah, he's going to the Hall of Fame. So, no, I think you're wrong. 800-919-3776. Yankees still trailing 5-1, top of the eighth inning in Anaheim. Six outs away from yet another loss and having to listen to Aaron Boone tell us about, you know, the compete level being there, the the quality of at-bats being at an all-time high and how they're turning the corner. That, you know, hard hit ball rate is you know, jumping off at the charts. Yankees look great right now despite trailing four runs. Richard in Manhattan wants to chime in. What's up? Hi, Ty. Uh, as far as uh, Derek Rose, 
He won the championship with Memphis, right? Didn't they win the championship? The Grizzlies? No, no. Memphis. Oh, in college. college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, that's a big thing. Nah. Uh, you know, what you, the NBA, I mean, the Hall of Fame is not the NBA Hall of Fame. That's the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, I understand that. You and include... that, was, that was an accomplishment. I mean, it's up there with Carmelo's accomplishment with Syracuse. Did Memphis win it that year? What was that? I'm, 20... I'm... Eight? 2008, right? That was the Mario Chalmers versus uh, Derrick Rose. Or was it Kansas that won it? Kansas won it? Because uh... if he didn't win it, then there's less of a chance of him to get in. Yeah, Memphis yeah. lost that game to Kansas. Correct. That was a great game, though. Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It was a great game. All right, so maybe he won't get in. That's right. Yeah, the only one that did anything was like Mar- uh, was Carmelo Anthony, a freshman leading the school. I mean, he was one of the few guys, too, though, that led the school. And if I remember correctly, Rose had a, a big free throw late in that game and missed. Really? Maybe. Maybe. That sounds right. But I know he didn't have anyone else on the team that made the pros. Yeah. So that was a pretty good accomplishment, but right, he didn't win the championship. Yeah, that was, know, I think that was uh, the Mario Chalmers uh, three-pointer yeah, that he yeah, hit that over Derrick right. Rose. I go all on memory, Ty. You know, I don't do anything with a computer. Uh, as far as the Yankees and Mets, nobody's talked about this. It's going to be interesting, like Yankees are losing today, if the Yankees and Mets really start to fall out what Steinbrenner and Cohen will do for the rest of the season. Because, you know, if they're unwatchable, people are not going to come. And, you know, that gets the owners very, very, very antsy. Well, that's when you start firing people, man. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Something that's going to happen because they want people coming to the ballpark, whether they're winning or losing. They have to be interesting, you know? And uh, that's why I don't think think Cohen will sell off Scherzer and Verlander. He wants people coming. I mean, all these owners, their, their stadiums are making them a lot of money. So there's really no advantage for them to selling off these guys during the season. Yeah, I, re- I, I can see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see that uh, as far as you know, wanting to still capitalize on the interest because the, uh, you know the fact oh, that yeah, they're not pitching well, thing. they're still big there's names. Nothing worse, there's and, nothing worse than being unwatchable and on any <laughs> given, especially football season right around the corner. And not that it's going to interfere, but your right. attention start to turn to, you know, your teams that you're more interested in. And the Jets and Giants expected to be, you know, playoff teams this year. Correct. I mean, this weekend, the biggest thing that was on sports was the Wimbledon final. Yep. All right? Right? The Yankees and Mets were second, third fiddle to the Wimbledon. And it happened to be one of the greatest Wimbledon finals. It happened to be one of the greatest finals I've ever seen. So, and uh, But as far as the Yankees and Mets, as long as they're in the hunt and as long as people, you know, are, are willing to watch the games – the owners don't have to do anything, and they'll do. They'll make their moves in the off season. I mean, you know, we can't expect these guys to move at all what we think they should be doing. But if they're losing and they become unwatchable, and there are a lot of times this year, especially the Yankees, they've been unwatchable. They play a very now. This guy that they just put in the other night, uh, Peraza, four walks, leading off, stolen base, a run scored. Uh, he was the only guy in the lineup yesterday that, it, that didn't strike out. That's a promising sign. Yeah, his issue is that he has to know, you know, not not getting picked off of bases. Yeah, he's not the greatest base runner yet. Yeah, and he was thrown out on, on uh, Sunday. Yeah, on Sunday, also. and that, that loss. Yeah, those are bad mistakes. But, uh, 
look, the fact that he's taking pitches and walking, when was the last time the Yankees have had a, four guy, a guy walk four times? Probably in the brocious Tino Martinez days with O'Neill and those guys. It's been no, since uh, Torrey was manager. They haven't been taking pitches like this guy was taking uh, night, last night. So that's a good sign. But anyway, Ty, I just want to leave you with this. It's going to be interesting now with Cohen and Steinbrenner because don't forget, these guys are like uh, Barnum and Bailey. You know, they want everybody coming to their circus, win, win lose, or draw. They have to be interesting. There's no, no question that that's more important to these owners. No matter what the fans think, winning and losing, we die with these guys, number one is the bottom line, money-making at the stadiums. And uh, when there's lack of interest, then they'll really move. Ty, always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate the call, man. And that, that, that's the conundrum, right, that when we think about the Yankees and, you know, what's going to lead them to, to making that big move and that big change to alter the direction of the franchise. If they're still selling out and getting – Excellent ratings on yes. Does Howe look at that as a victory? Because he's still running a business. And yes, you can have that desire to win and will to win. But if your ballpark's still selling out, you've got these patches on your jersey now. So that's a you know a money maker. Judge coming back. Ratings continue to, to be in green. Like that's can be viewed as as a success. And you wonder if that's something that, you know, is ultimately going to be the difference maker in deciding whether or not they decide, you know, deciding whether or not they part with Cashman and Boone. But we'll see. Because Yankee fans are getting annoyed right now. And once they get back to the stadium, it's going to be interesting to see the reception they get. Now, Judge coming back is going to provide some juice. So even if they're struggling initially, the the gravity of having Judge back in the lineup is going to provide you enough juice where it can carry you on television and at the stadium. But you get to middle of August, early September, and they still continue to look lifeless, like nothing is going on with them. Richard makes a great point. Is that going to be the tipping scale for this team? We wrap up with your phone calls here from Buck Showalter after the Met win tonight at City Field. Coming up next right here on 9870 ESPN.